the hell is that? It looks like a, a human fetus. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week for uh, One Life Furnished in Early Poverty. Um, uh, Maybe you liked it so much that you went and recorded that podcast onto a cassette tape and then buried it in your backyard so you can dig it up and find it later. I mean, that would be pretty badass, actually. (laughs) Especially if it didn't, uh, you know, lose its spool inside your player. Yeah, I mean, you got to put it in a case. Though. You just can't just bury just the regular tape because that would get bad, right? But you just leave it there, come back later, and be like, it's like buried treasure. It's like it's, it's vintage you know, now. It's vintage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they, they, there's a guy now somewhere out in California, like his tape comes unspooled and he's like, I have to go back to Ohio, you know, like whatever. Um, they have pencils there. I can fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what was it? Like there was that stat, uh, was it a couple years ago that, um, that, the the uh going from 85 to 55 we are now um further from where we are to 85 in terms of like back to the future in terms of like the setting that it would be it would just be weird for me to see a movie where it's like let's we got to get back you know to you know the like 1990 or whatever i'd be like really what what are we going to do there cool you know like i don't know anyway i don't know what i'm talking about yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but it's, the whole notion of like you go home again, it's like, it's like at the time in the 80s, it was so different going into the 50s, like like it looked like lifestyle-wise. I'm like, would it be really that significantly of a sea change? Maybe aside from like, you know, smartphones, right? And the internet, but even that, like, whatever. That's what I'm saying. It'd be weird. I don't well, know what I'm talking uh, about. Like, yeah. I'm watching, uh, I'm catching up on the, well, I'm getting my wife catch, uh, caught up on the uh, the Marvel MCU films, mm-hmm. and we're watching Captain Marvel now, and that takes place in the 90s. And it's like, it's a, the, the idea that it's this distant time from what we know now, it's like, it's so weird, you know, like, and it's the soundtrack being played in it, and the clothes that are being worn in it, it's like, I mean, I guess it's kind of a long time ago, but... It doesn't yeah. feel like it's that. Like, like everyone's like, oh, she fell into a blockbuster. I'm like, it isn't like she fell into the Brea tar pits. Like just whatever. Anyway, it's just, oh, she fell on top of a dinosaur that was running a VHS. I just, I don't know. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I, that's, I, that, I guess what I'm doing is I'm dragging my feet, uh, to get into, to this, uh, the, the, not, not talking to you. Uh, I, I love talking to you. This is strange highways. This is, um, a series in which we watch the twilight zone, uh, and in order episode by episode, we've covered the original Sterling Sterling 60 series. We did cover both paramount plus produced seasons. And now we're in the eighties series segment by segment. And we're getting into her pilgrim soul. It's season one, episode 12, segment a, 
Uh, air date would be December 13th, 1985. Number one film. Uh, Terry, I did correctly look this up this time, so you don't have to correct me. It's still Rocky Four. It's still Rocky IV, uh, which that should be the number one film for all time, right? So um, number one song, Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. Rightfully so. It's a good song. Like I, that, it's like, see, look at me being like, man, if they, if they went back at this time, I'd be like, nothing's wrong there. Everything seems right to me. Rocky four and Mr. Mister, you know, like <laughs> that's not times that, were good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. That's not the past. That was just yesterday. No. Um, so, uh, in terms of day and date, what I did find was two days before the segment aired, uh, December 11th, Hugh, uh, Hugh Scrutton is killed outside his, uh, Sacramento, California computer rental store. I think that's a, a timing that dating itself, a computer rental store. Uh, by a Unabomber explosive, becoming the first fatality of that bombing campaign. Um, you know, we all, we all know the Unabomber and like how that was like, the, like people just didn't know who this person was. And it was like, he was almost untraceable with the exception that um, when he pu- published his like manifesto, uh, his brother actually contacted the FBI. He's like, I think this is him. And they're like, why? It's like, some of the turns of phrases he's using sounds like things he said to me before. So that was the only reason they really caught on to him was because his brother's like, mm, it sounds a lot like him. Otherwise they would have had no idea who this guy was. Yeah. There were some like backwards, uh, 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 phrases that he would use. It just didn't make any sense. And that's how he recognized, uh, what he, what was, you know, written in his letters and all that stuff. Really interesting uh, case. The dude was a complete hermit too. He like lived in a shack that he built in the woods. Yeah, and the it, fact yeah, the fact ahead. that this dude was so pissed off at the world that he was just wanted to take people out like that just made no sense either. But like also super smart. Like it just turned one of those things. It's like <clears throat> when you look at a lot of these things that happen. It's like, well, what, what did he used to be an engineer? I'm like, well, that seems to be the case for a lot of these guys that just like they they um, see the world a certain way, and then when it doesn't go their way, they're like, yeah, I know enough how to dis- disassemble it. You know, like it's crazy, but I also remember the big thing with like his, his wanted poster looking a lot like Weird Al Yankovic. So I know that was a big <laughs> thing too. Um, you know, it's just like, like Weird Al just like wearing a hoodie. Um, but yeah, this was the first, first time this happened. So that was the start of a very long situation that, you know, rightfully so scared a lot of people. I mean, we, we now know how it turned out, but to know at the time, you know, like you don't know how, like if this was isolated or if this was going to continue, um, you know, very upsetting. Yeah, very much so. So yeah, that's what I got for uh, for day and date. Uh, Rocky Four, in which he uh, defeated uh, communism, um, and, and then uh, Mister Mister, and then the Unabomber. Um, that sounds like um, I was handed three random cards, almost and like cards against humanity for answers there. Um, so there you go. That's your day and date. So Terry, let's get, let's get into who did what here for her, her Pilgrim Soul. Okay, so our uh, director here coming back again. For another episode, or another segment, rather, is uh, what, Mr. Wes Craven. Uh, not sure how much more we need to go into uh, his career. We've talked a lot about him in the past uh, few episodes, or dozen episodes, or whatever. But um, And we will talk about him again briefly, because there's one more segment that he will be directing. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I thought this was the last one, but again, I could I could be wrong. I, I, know, he did, I know he didn't do too many. But if that, if you have one more, cool. Because if this is the last one, then I have I have questions. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you're right. We talked about a lot of Craven. He was kind of the anchor to get the series kicked off TV wise. Um, but yeah, we've talked a lot about him. We, we are big fans. Yeah, most definitely. So then um, we have our writer credit as Alan Brenner. Again, uh, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, we will be talking about him again. 
I'm not sure if there's any other notes that you want to bring up about. No, I mean, he wrote the teleplay for the last segment. So we just talked about him recently. He's we're in the middle of his uh, output. Yeah. So uh, if you don't have anything else for him, our cast, we go. Our cast is let off here. Uh, I, I went a little bit different from the IMDB credits. So follow along with me, people, if you can. Um, so our cast uh, starts with Christopher uh, Tabori. Um, he plays Kevin Drayton. It's a b- bunch of shows like uh, Quantum Leap, Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, you know, different episodes of those. But he does a lot of voice work for video games and uh, cartoons. Uh, one of the games in particular that maybe some people would know, it's a bigger series, Star Wars Night of the Old Republic. Uh, big fan favorite for gamers. I'm not sure if you had anything else to say. So you'll, you'll find this funny. I have, I have two notes. Second one was lots of TV, lots of TV work. First note, the voice of HK 47 and Knights of the Old Republic. So there we go. HK 47 was a droid. uh, Like, you know, like your C3PO, like one, like one of the walking kind, not, not one of the beeping kind, like not the trash can kind, more like the the body (laughs) type kind. And as you, um, you know, as you unlock his memory, you slowly but surely figure out that like um, he has killed every one of his previous owners. And it's really, really funny how like you have to walk this line of like learning about him and kind of keeping him on your, on your good side because he has a really dark history and his line delivery is great. So I was really excited to see him as HK 47. Nice. But uh, so next year we have uh, Gary Cole plays Daniel Gaddis. Gaddis. Yeah. I think Gaddis is the, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one more segment, or I'm sorry, one segment in the Twilight Zone, Rod Serling's Lost Classics movie. I guess it, they made a compilation movie of it, but it was the story of the theater. Yeah. So um, we uh, this this has been covered on the show. Uh, we we did cover uh, Rod Serling's Lost Classics. Was it was it presented in a movie form or um, was it like it was presented as a TV movie? Okay. So it was it was created in '94. Um, so this was like well after um, the '80s revival, right? And so supposedly, as it goes, they found these two uh, Rod Serling scripts, and and with the with um, the like the like the good like permission. Sorry. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, by Serling's wife, Carol Serling, they, they went ahead and, and did this. And uh, one, the theater was, it, it was kind of a Rod Serling idea um, that would never really took form, but Richard Matheson um, did the teleplay for it. And then also there was a, um, a movie. It was actually going to be like a longer form thing that Sterling had written after the twilight zone that they ended up uh, turning into the second segment called where the dead are that, uh, Matheson also, um, did the teleplay for, if I remember right. Um, so then, uh, with that being said, it's, it's weird because the, the theater is maybe like maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then the other segments like an hour and 20. So you can definitely tell where the, the two scripts were previous to being brought forward. Um, so in terms of being a made for TV movie, you're expecting like them to be an hour an hour, but that's not what happened. It actually kind of falls in closer to what we deal with here on the 80s series. Right. And then they also brought in, um, uh, James Earl Jones to do the voiceover. So you can't go wrong there having him be the narrator type. Um, but, um, the the first the first segment of the theater with Gary Cole is absolutely terrible and makes no sense. Uh, hmm. and, and it also begins with him showing up uh, to greet his girlfriend, who's the main character at her um, her place of work because she's like this sculptor. And he shows up dressed up as a clown. Uh, 
like clown, he says this. So I, I had to bring this out for if anybody listen to this, like our show for a amount of time, you'll know how annoying this is. So here you go. <laughs> That's Gary Cole saying hello as a clown uh, to his girlfriend. It is, um, it's, it's wonderful, right? It's amazing. Um, so yeah, not good. Uh, uh, and the, where the, where the dead are is actually a decent segment. You got Jack Palance in that it's creepy. It's not perfect. Uh, it has its problems, but it's better. The two segments. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, the moment I was like, oh yeah, Rod Selig's lost classics. Gary Cole is a clown. Got to bring back that nightmare fuel. So there we go. <laughs> right. So then, uh, the other credits I have is, uh, he was in dodgeball mm-hmm. as well. And in 55 episodes of the show beep, which I believe that was a pretty popular show. We've talked about yeah, it. I've not too. seen it. I, I need to, I know that's one of those ones I missed out on. I've heard it's nothing but great. He's also the voice of Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. And then, um, the Brady bunch movie and sequel. He's really good in both of those and office space. Everyone knows him from office space. Oh yeah. The TPS reports and you can have to yeah. have you come in on Saturday. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and next here we have, uh, uh, Wendy Gerard, she plays Carol Drayton. Uh, she was in Annie Hall and I guess they did a series after mash called after mash. <laughs> yeah, they, so she was did. in that. Yeah. I think there was two, um, spinoffs after mash and then Trapper John MD, but after mash didn't last that long. Hmm. So next here we have Petsy, uh, uh, like Lichen, I, yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. I, mean, uh, I wish it was spelled like Lichen, like werewolf, but no, it's like it's L L I C O N. It's like, oh, you, you were so close. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, she plays uh, Nola at age five. Uh, three credits. Wasn't very familiar with those other two credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next here we have Danica McKellar. Uh, she plays Nola at age 10. Uh, one more segment to come that we'll talk about later. Uh, a crap load of the wonder years. I forgot that she was little Wendy in that. Oh and yeah. Yeah. What you, sorry. Winnie Cooper. Yeah. Everybody yep. like I was around, like I was like, you know, her and I are, are similar ages. So I, when I say this, like, please everybody take this with the, you know, the time of place. I was like, yeah, everybody had a crush on Winnie Cooper at that time. Right. Cause yeah. I um, know I did. And yeah. you know, honestly, um, she comes back later. I mean, she's done a lot of work since then, but, She's an adult now. She still looks very beautiful. So oh, yeah. She was, a, yeah. She was in a, a, a couple of episodes of How I Met Your Mother. So, But she was also, she does a lot of voice work as well. Um, she, uh, she did voice work for some DC cartoons like Young Justice and a bunch of other cartoons. Yeah, she uh, is the current voice of Judy Judson since the original actress has passed away. So she now has that, that uh, moniker. So that's cool. Uh, big thing for her, though, is that... Uh, she, uh, while she was like growing up and doing all the acting, she actually wrote six nonfiction books, all dealing with math, um, called uh, math doesn't suck. Um, kiss my math, hot X algebra exposed girls get curves. Geometry takes shape. So she actually is like, it's aimed towards middle school and high school girls to actually, uh, teach math and make them feel confident because you know, there's that, there's that breakdown of like girls don't have to do math. They just got to learn how to be in the kitchen or whatever. Like that weird, horrible, like old ideology. She was like standing up against it and she's gotten a lot of rewards for that. So, you know, I respect that. Um, I respect anybody that understands math because I don't. So, but yeah, I'm good on her for doing that. 
Um, and then also she uh, had a number of Hallmark Channel movies that she's, re- I, I guess her and um, was it Can- Candace Cameron Bure have recently moved away from like Hallmark or they went on someplace else. There's a lot of backlash about this. Like well, there's, I guess there's some kind of like Game of Thrones style, like castle intrigue about actresses moving from one like soapy network to another making movies. But she has been in such movies as um, Crown for Christmas, My Christmas Dream, Campfire Kiss, Love and Sunshine, Christmas at Dollywood, and You, Me, and the Christmas Trees, and as well as the Hallmark Movies and Mystery Series, The Matchmaker Mysteries. So, you know, it's a living. I'm sure you talked about some of these when we were covering the Jordan Peele Season 2 version of The Twilight Zone, because you had to make sure every episode (laughs) included... It was right. included a Christmas. I, I didn't. I didn't movie. have to. It just was there. I had to mention it, right? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good callback. Yeah, everything. Everybody. Like, it's almost like, you know, hey, do you want to get paid and get a credit? Yeah. Do you want to like just just be like an attractive mannequin in a Hallmark Christmas movie? Yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever. Right. I, I'll do it. I don't care. Can Can I be like the the hobo on the bench that they come and they bring soup to, and and I, I suddenly believe in Jesus or something? I'm fine with that. I don't know. I mean, I was always aiming for like a, a you know a Star Wars or Marvel MCU, uh, you know, cameo. But I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll be in an MCU movie if I'm like that hobo and they wake me up and I believe in Spider Man or something. That's fine. I don't know. Um, like, I guess I just want to be a hobo in a movie and being woken up and given soup. Really, everybody. I know everyone says like you know do what you know. And if you get cast as a certain type of thing, maybe it's a problem. But if I get a lot of credits as being hobo on the bench, you know. I'll, I'll take that. I'm, I'm available for hire. It's fine. Yeah. yeah right on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next here we have uh, on our credits, uh, Anne uh, Tommy. I think it's Tommy. Yeah. I think that or Twomey. It's, it's an odd name. It's an odd last yeah. name for sure. So she plays the older and uh, last version of Nola. Uh, she was in two episodes of Seinfeld and uh, different iterations of law and order, uh, you know, one way or another. And and you you missed out on one of the base connections here to this episode. She was in the Wes Craven film Deadly Friend. Oh, was she? Oh, no kidding. That's a movie I need to uh-huh. revisit. We've talked about it a couple of times. I remember liking it as it, like when I when I, when I seeing it on TV as a kid. May not have aged well, but I, I do need to revisit it. Oh, that's why I didn't recognize the uh, the artwork. Okay, it threw me off for a second there. All right, I thought it might have been a different Deadly Friend, but either <laughs> way, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, next here, uh, Catherine uh, Walchick, Walchich, uh, Walchich. Yeah, so she plays Susan. Uh, she was in Goodfellas and uh, Gangs of New York. And then uh, next here is a uh, Richard. Uh, how would you sp- pronounce that? Uh, name? McGonagall. McGonagall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he plays Lester. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, Days of Our Lives. Lots of uh, voice work mm-hmm. for cartoons like Ben Ten and video games and stuff like that. And then the, the last credit I have here is a uh, Nelson Welch uh, plays Rusnik, Ruskick, yeah, Playhouse ninety, and uh, he was uh, in the horror film from the eighties called Waxwork, yeah, which uh, everybody should check out, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Uh, he was also in a segment of Amazing Stories, and then uh, Playhouse ninety, just to call back to the early like uh, iterations. Serling wrote for Playhouse ninety, you know, uh, a little bit, and also an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. So there you go. That's who we have. So, so yeah, that's your cast. Um, that's who did what. 
Also, the person who did the music for this uh, segment uh, went on to do the music for Wes Craven's film Shocker, which I, okay, cool. Um, I need to revisit Shocker, but he clearly Craven enjoyed this enough to, to bring him, like to remember him. So just that's worthy of note just because of the Craven connection. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so this is, this is where we're at with, uh, her pilgrim soul. Uh, Terry, I, I know we've been pretty good. We've been pretty good, uh, since January, right? We've been, we've been doing our due diligence, putting our time in, you know, um, talking about everything, given it's, it's time and place and everything else. I, I can't help it. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to break the glass. Idle hands make for an unproductive poop deck. I got like I want to pull the ripcord so hard on this segment, so hard. Are you gonna like actually like jump on it? Like, <laughs> like what do you mean jump on it? Like just be like, like you're like, pulling it so hard that you're yeah. actually like jumping and ripping it. And yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just I'm out like this this segment. I so we'll 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 give the broad strokes of it. But here's some trivia to pe- make people understand a little bit. Um, I found out digging into this, that this is the longest segment that was produced for the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. Um, I guess got to say, thank Christ that this is the longest one. Cause I'm glad that there's not another one that's longer than this. But with that being said too, uh, as we've talked about a little bit here on the show, like what well, we, Terry and I will both watch the segment, like first, like no notes, just watch it, you know, as we, as anybody would. Right. And then the second time through, we already take our cast and crew. We write our notes about the episode and then, because we have the DVDs, uh, some some segments have commentary and some don't. Um, and this one did. And it had commentary for the full 40 minutes. So, Terry, I've seen this segment three times right now. And I'm ready to um, I'm ready to pull my head off and just kick it out into the abyss. Like I, <laughs> Dude, I, it was it was a rough watch. It was a really rough watch. I just I. I don't, so, so we know now that this is the longest segment and I have to ask why, why, <laughs> did, it, why did it have to be this long? Yeah. Like it didn't have to be like you could have. Um, okay. So the bones of this, let, let's cause there's a lot of things in here that really just the, the, that stick in my craw about like, um, logistics. And here I also say too, that, um, one, we don't ever really want to come out swinging on on anything. Like everything's worthy of watching, and maybe you enjoy the segment. And according to the commentary, Alan Brenner and um, all the producer, I, uh, one of the other guys that was there's three people in the commentary and Wes Craven, they all love this. And Craven said, coming back and revisiting this twenty years later, he's like, you know, I had I had tears in my eyes, and I'm like, I did too, but probably for a different reason. Um, but like Alan, Alan Brenner talked about how this is a very personal story to him because he had had a close friend die of cancer and like at 35 and like less than was it two years later, um, when he was putting together like the twilight zone and bringing, bringing this to everybody, or he was one of the first writers approached to write for this. He had this idea. So like, he's like, clearly I, w- I was still had a lot of working through. So there's a lot of personal tragedy that went into this. And you can see this in the segment. Don't get me wrong. Um, and much like we talked about last week. With one life uh, furnished in early poverty, how it was easy for uh, the writer. Um, uh, <laughs> why do I always forget his name? Like it, I, I keep wanting to say Heinlein. That's not right at all. But anyway, uh, how he was so enamored with the story and how he was in tears while they're shooting it. Um, and how like it was like, yeah, you know, this is a personal story to you and I'm not taking anything away from you. But you got to kind of pull back a little bit, you know, like it's just it. And um you know, it's a bit much where like, this is deeply important to you, but 
just because just because it connects to you doesn't mean it's going to connect to everybody else. And I feel like I should at least acknowledge that this was a deeply personal story and it, you know, they, they, they tried their best to get this across the finish line. Um, I, I can appreciate that, but still just because something's important to you doesn't mean I have to, that doesn't mean I automatically have to come into it. Um, walking on eggshells and being nice about it. Does that make sense? No, I, I get it. And then I honestly think that this might've been too personal because I was kind of lost the entire time. And I mean, obviously there's a straight through narrative in a sense, but I was just, I don't know the motives for a couple of the characters and that the, the trying to understand this technology of their, what they're dealing with. It's just, I don't, I don't know. There's yeah. not a lot here that I can really put a whole, um, a lot of interest into. Yeah. Sorry. Harlan Ellison. I don't know why I always want to call him Heinlein. I know they're way different writers, but it could maybe because the H name, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, it's just with this idea that, you know, our, our main character has created this like really cool, like 3d, like holographic display, which, um, I will give credit that I did like when we got the intro of the twilight zone, like the regular intro and how it ends on a star field. And then how the intro to this segment stayed with that same star field. And we saw planets pop up. I thought that was cool. That was a fun little transition into this, the, the episode, but it's like supposed to be this like, like badass 3d like projection stuff. And it's like, okay, I'm with that. And then like at one point, one of them's like, Hey, is that a baby in there? And you're like, Oh, that's weird. Like you get this like fetus showing up in this holographic projector and like, Oh, somebody must be messing with the files. I'm like, what's it even mean? Like what? <laughs> what? Like, you know, you're, you're like barely like you can do circles and planets and stuff. You're like, that looks pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, I had a Sega Genesis too, you know, whatever. And it's like, but it's like, Oh, there's just a fetus floating around there. And I, I wonder what I would be like, did somebody load like 2001 in here by accident? Is this a star child? Like what is going on here? Like it just, it like how, how matter of fact, it's like, is that a baby? And they're like, Oh, we just got to reboot the program. I mean, I know sometimes I've messed up programs, you know, before, like I'll be like doing something in Photoshop or doing whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm going to hit this, button. Oh, I just put a baby right there. I didn't mean that to happen. You know, like it's just, Oh, I'm just making the sandwich. Oh shit. There's a baby. Like, how does that happen? How do babies just show up? Like, you know what I mean? Like with them being like, well, must be a glitch in the program. That's a pretty significant glitch if you're trying to make like star fields and planets and you have a fetus in there. Yeah, that's a significant, uh, you know, change in how the program works because this is something that they've designed. So yeah. who the hell else could have been messing with it and how could the system <laughs> suddenly manufacture this 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 image within its constructs? At like at it just doesn't in, make any sense. At least a weird science. They shoved a magazine in the computer you know, to get, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, but even with this though, it's like later on we get him like creating like geometric shapes and it's like, those look really, really shitty for the time. Cause they are the best they can do. And I'm like, how does, how does this thing render a whole person? Like, <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, but then they, they reboot the system and they're like, Oh, okay, whatever we got to get, like, we're going to go home. And then I was like, the guy's like the one guy, you know, um, uh, was it, uh, Kevin is like, I got to go home and yell at my wife just because she loves me or whatever. And then, um, he's like, yeah. And then Gary Cole's like, I got to go be a clown. It's weird. And then they leave for the night. Um, and then when, whenever they turn the lights off, suddenly like, uh, it's not just a, a, a fetus. It's like a newborn that's in the machine. And I was like, what if you're a janitor cleaning there that night and you're just like, Oh, I gotta go clean. Oh, there's the space thing on. Holy shit. There's a baby, you know, like, 
You know, like none of that makes sense. But then the next morning, well, after Kevin yells at his wife because she's like, you're being, you know, like I get that they're supposed to be like this marital distress. And like I credit to the actors. They do a good job of getting that across. It's just it's none of it feels really earned in terms of the story being told. Um, but yeah, the next morning Kevin's there and it's like, Oh, we have like a toddler here in this thing and she's wearing clothes. Oh, the machine can make clothes now too. Oh, okay. Not that I'm saying I wanted to see like a, like a, a human grow and be completely naked. I just have questions about this whole thing. You know, it's very confusing to me. It, well, yeah. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, it, I understand the idea that it's like, whoa, this is weird, you know, the future and what computers can, can do and all that stuff and how it probably will mesh with the other side. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, no, it's not It's not an interesting concept in the way that they're project, like projecting it to the audience. First yeah. of all, the science is not there yet. This looks like dog shit. Like, well, I mean, but if you want to do the science of like them saying that you could have, you could have laid, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. They could have, they could have laid the groundwork where it's like, we're trying to come up with like a 3d communication system, right? Where it's like, you could have had like, Oh, we're going to be able to talk like person to person, like some star Trek shit and be like, well, how like, like you could hand wave the tech as long as you show them like testing it and showing people talking to each other. And then if you suddenly have like, Somebody that's not even like, 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 like a long distance call situation or whatever, where it's like, we're having a kid here and we don't even have another setup yet for somebody to call in. Like what's going on with this, I think would have been a little better. Right. Like, um, yeah, at least, at least show like you could still like, you can hand wave tech. If you at least explain like what it's supposed to do, this is a holographic projection system that was made to to show star fields to begin with and and shapes. Right. They, they like it's not clearly not um, sophisticated enough to do a real time rendering of a person, let alone have it have an AI, which is what Kevin was like. Oh, look, it's reacting in real time. I'm like, well, no shit. There's a kid in there that you can't explain. Like, just you know, like like even if this was like an outer limits episode, it's like which is mainly sci-fi. I think it's all sci-fi. It's like I would have a hard time with this at this time, even if this like um, I, and then again, this is me. You can't you can't. Um, punch down on something existed when it came out versus something that came out later. I don't think they're like compare this to something like black mirror. And I know that's not the same thing. However, there's a lot more thought that's going into the idea of this technology. That's 15 minutes in the future. There's no thought here. And that's frustrating to me. Yeah. It, and no thought. And then even what they came up with too, it's just like, I, I don't know. Like it just, it, it didn't work for me on any level whatsoever. Yeah, but yeah. So we get we get Dan and Kevin trying to figure out who the little girl is, why she's in the, the projector thing, and she doesn't have any information more than like where she kind of kind of lives and yeah. kind of like I don't know. Well, eventually as she's growing, cause she's growing at a rapid rate. He said like 10 months every hour. And th- th- somebody pointed out his math would be wrong. That she'd be aging 20 years every day versus 10, you know, like whatever. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm glad you figured that math out. Thanks people. Uh, but, um, so as she's getting older, she is remembering more and we're getting this idea that it's eventually established that until, until she gets to a certain age, like there's more details coming out about the life that she's talking about. And we figure out that she was a person named Nola that actually um, was alive in the early 19, 1900s, early 20th century. And so Gary Cole has been tasked with going out and trying to do some detective work and figure out who she is. And it turns out 
that she did exist and she was like this uh, black sheep of the family of this rich family in upstate New York um, because she had the audacity to marry a Jewish man, which I mean, of all the things in this that like her family shutting her out of her fortune and everything, I'm like, that tracks. You know, like the bigotry is like, that's not the science fiction part, not bigotry, the, the racism, right? Then like, yep, that, that, that tracks really, really well, unfortunately. Like Terry, that's the one part of this episode that has not aged one bit. <laughs> that's fair. That's Why am fair. I laughing at that? That's Sadly. terrible. That's terrible that like, you know, like, yeah. So, but then, uh, you know, we eventually find out that like, you know, she had a miscarriage and, um, and because we, we see her talking about this and also credit to, I just want to point out here, like I'll give credit where credit's due. Uh, Danica McKellar did well for like what she was told to do as like a 10 year old. And it turns out that, um, the, the five-year-old they had on set, she was like, she was terrified and she wouldn't speak loudly while, cause they said during like the, the screen, like the testing, like when they did like the casting process, she was really good for what she was for being a five-year-old, but she wouldn't say the, the words loud enough. So whenever they're getting Danica to loop her dialogue for herself, they're like, Hey, can you pretend to be like five years younger? So she actually did the vocals for the kid too, like the younger kid. So credit to Danica. Right. So I'll give credit there too. And then also, um, the, the actress that played the older, uh, Nola, um, uh, and, uh, you know, Twumi, uh, she's like, she's really, really good in this. Um, she's able to play like twenties through wherever she ends up. I think she did a really, really good job. I think the whole episode failed her, but I think she did a really good job with it. That's fair. And then, you know, she has, um, uh, she's aged in the one segment part of this segment too. Yeah. And uh, that makeup works older. pretty well for what it is, yeah. you know, and like the weird, uh, pink hue, like whatever it is of the hologram hides some of that makeup a little bit too. So I think that works and her delivery works really well too. So I'm not going to, you know, she, she was a stage actress in, in New York that they found that she was really good at like, you know, like this kind cause a lot of times she had actually the way they shot this, she had to act like, like not against the other actor. So good job there but yeah so we eventually find out though that like well so kevin's also having his marriage fall apart because he's an asshole let's just be honest he's just an asshole um but he kind of is like did you okay so i'm confused terry was he falling in love with her with nola that's yeah it, it totally seems like he's falling in love with her yeah and like his wife seems like she's genuinely like she cares about him and everything the only thing that seems to be uh like a bridge that can't be crossed between them uh, is they want, she wants a child, but he doesn't. So like this creates this giant rift between them. And now he's sleeping at the lab Mm -hmm. near the, the projector. So he's really, really engrossed into this situation. And it, it, I feel like it's become very unhealthy. And even his partner, Dan tells him the same thing. He's like, Hey man, he's like, I understand you really want to help her and try to find out this information, but I think you're going a little too far with all of this. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's like, um, especially the point where his wife's like, why do you got the state of the lab? He's like, science or whatever he says. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then you wouldn't understand yeah, it, man. It's like, so. I got this pink lady in there that I can't touch, but she's kind of hot. And you know, I mean, she was a kid, but that was like two days ago. Stop judging me, you know, whatever. Um, so he's like, I'm going to play chess with her later. It's and like it's going to memoir, memoirs of a geisha kind of shit. <laughs> <going on here. laughs> yeah, 
it's just, right. I mean, I guess, I guess since I recently watched Starman, I mean, we got Karen Allen watching a baby turn into, you know, Jeff Bridges suddenly. I mean, but that's different, you know, <laughs> it's a little, a little different situation. Right. Um, but yeah, cause he was an alien, not a hologram. That's completely different, different territory. But, um, so, uh, yeah, it just, it was this whole thing where we're unraveling this mystery of her and eventually it be, like, so then I'm confused by the ending, um, because, she, um, you know, uh, eventually she is talking to Kevin about like his inability to let go of love and experience happiness and all this stuff. And he has this big revelation that's very TV driven of like, like we've all been lied to where, you know, like we've all had those epiphany moments where it's like, oh yeah, I have been thinking about this differently. Your life doesn't suddenly like change on the dime. It takes a while for you to enact like, you know what? I am thinking about this differently. I'm going to do better versus like, oh, you're right. Um, you know, waiting to be disappointed means that like, that means if I'm shoving out the opportunity to love the entire time, isn't it like, it's better to love and lost than to never loved at all. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm better now. I love, I, I could now love, love now. It's like, no, nah, you're still an asshole. And your wife is like, you could, she could do better. But in the meantime though, he's sleeping on the cot uh, and we get somehow we figured out that like uh, Nola, which she has the ability to phase in and out of the projector, which we found out she can be like, I need to go away for a minute. and just disappears. Um, she can now communicate with the rest of the lab and make things happen. Like in like call um, Kevin's wife and pretend to be him by changing the voice or something. None of this makes sense. Yeah, now she's starting to become a uh, Skynet and self-aware, <laughs> and it's like now she's able to control the machines. Yeah. It's only one step closer. <laughs> yeah, if you if they would have called this segment for Magnus with Love, it's probably a better name. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I wonder. I you know that's a good call. Honestly, if you think about how this this episode is structured, it's not. I mean, you could see that there's kind of probably like the building blocks to get to this point, you know, I mean the not, sense of like, you have a guy who's like results driven and the, the, the computer's not behaving the way he was expecting. And in the case of, for Magnus of love, it was like completely like flirting with him and ruining his life. And in this case, he was falling in love with it or her Enola, you know, and she was vibing on him too, you know, like, but then once, um, Gary Cole's character figures out cause he taught cause he's out talking to like, uh, old family friends of Nola, Nola's family, because it's been like what, 60, 70 years, right? Since everything happened. Uh, he learns that like, she didn't have a miscarriage. She died during giving birth. So, I mean, I mean, the two things could be true, right? But she doesn't say it that way when she said she had a miscarriage. So he cut like, so what we find out is that she died giving birth. Um, but then when she's talking to Kevin, she's like, yeah, ever, ever since that moment, she's like, I I've, I've known that and I've been experiencing my death, but I wanted to stick around to help you. And it's like, and he, and she's like, I wanted to give you the life, like the life that, um, the lifetime that we, we never had. That sounds like to me, that was his mom and he lived during the childbirth. I don't, it was all confusing. Did, I don't know what you thought about that. No, what I gathered from it is that he is the reincarnation of her old lover. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Cause she called him. She called him a different name. Didn't oh. she say she was married to some guy named Harry or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. I didn't pick. Wow. Three times watching this, I didn't pick up on that. I got the idea that it was his like. Yeah. His, so it says it, it uh, she reveals that Kevin is Robert reincarnated. Oh, 
Well, shit, I missed that completely. And his grief at her death carried into the next life. Oh, okay. Well, that makes as much sense as anything in this goddamn episode. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just like, what the hell? Like, if there was a table in front of me, I would have flipped it. I was like, <laughs> get the hell out of here now. Like, I'm, all of this is obviously science fiction, unbelievable. Uh, but what are we talking about now? Reincarnation to this point? Like, I mean, if we're going to talk about reincarnation in this kind of sense... I'd rather watch or read what dreams may come. That's yeah. a real love story about reincarnation. <laughs> well, that, or even like if you have set it up, like I, there's something where I, I, there's, okay. So it's, um, especially, I mean, it's 40 minutes and this feels like it takes forever. So I made my notes here cause it was segmented into like days. It was like day one, day two, day, you know, whatever. I started writing my notes here. I wrote, was I wrote day two of, of 42,345,023 or whatever. And then I wrote the next one, day three of one gazillion, day four infinitum. Like, that's how I feel like this episode just kept like a oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I never, I never picked up on that. And I was through this thing three times and I was hoping I was praying to the gods, uh, lowercase G of, of, of TV shows that one of the three people during the commentary track would tell me what the F was going on in the last part of this episode. <laughs> And none of them said anything other than it's so beautiful. And I'm just like, you sons of bitches. You could have told me at least then I could have gotten what you guys were going for. You know, please, you know, at least the previous segment, like it was pretty on the nose what they were going for. It's, it wasn't delivered well with this. It's like, I just, wow. I can't believe I completely whiffed on that reincarnation portion. Cause I just, I was like, is this his mom? I don't know. That's weird. Cause it's like, why are you hot for mom? Um, and then not hot for mom. And then she's like, I was hot for you, but then I realized that you're my kid. I had, I came out of this really twisted up. Like I, uh, I, you know, um, meaning clearly I had like twisted up as in like, it made no sense to me. Not like as I was sitting there, like in the dark being like, man, that, that was an affecting segment. No, I was just, I was mad every time I watched this. I'm mad, he, he looked, mad like Kevin. He, <laughs> he, he was like, he turned heel for a second there yeah. while he was, uh, talking to, uh, while he was talking to Nola, it's like, he gets all crazy and he's just like, I couldn't bear to be without you anymore. Or some shit like that. And it's like, wait, what? And that's when the the reality sets in. It's like that he is a reincarnation, but I'm like, there is, it is completely ridiculous now that this is the outcome because now he's, now they've both established that he is the, he is Robert reincarnated. But now he's going to try to carry on some kind of life with the wife, uh, with his wife that we didn't mention, but uh, Nola contacted her. That's what I'm saying, using the voice thing. That was weird, too. It's like that was very strange. And I'm like, what is going on? Is she going to come there and like Nola's going to kill her somehow so that they can continue some weird relationship like, still. Even if you did like a free Jack thing where it's like, you just shoved like Nola's consciousness into her body. At least I would have been like, okay, this guy's an asshole, but you know, like I can see at least what he was going for, but no, there's this, the schmaltz that is this through this whole thing. And it's like, and I'm not, I'm not against, um, I'm not against a happy, uh, sappy, sad twilight zone. I'm not against that. I, th- I think that as a storytelling thing, we can have, um, multiple avenues, right. As anthology, but dear Lord, like this, um, and what was it? If she dies, um, if we could just make like a greatest hits of things I never want to see again, this would like, dear Lord, those two should be put together in the same episode and then shot into the sun. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, we need to find all the copies of the, these uh, segments and bury those in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> right well, in the kick, same spot that the E.T. was We'll down. kick all the E.T.s out and be like, no, you guys are okay. Yeah. You know. Um, we apologize but, to you, E.T. We did not understand. Like, but the world fun, yeah. wants you back, uh, but not these. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, so I'm just, I'm really confused. I'm like, so Kevin, who is Harry, who is now going to go with Carol and have a, like a fulfilling love filled relationship. Like, yeah, she still wants kids Yeah, is now. Well, but Kevin, now that, yeah, but, Kevin Robert going to have kids with her. Uh, like, well, I'm going to guess because the whole trauma that she died, uh, that Nola died during childbirth, this will now, he now has that guilt lifted, right? Like that, mm-hmm. the, now that you've explained that to me, sure. You know, whatever. I just, forgive me people listening. Like I, I, you know, you know us, like I know, I know like, you know, I always, sometimes like I kick a horse until it becomes glue. Cause that's, that's the nature of me. I just make dumb jokes. I understand that. Um, and you know, your mileage may vary and you know, I, I understand that as well, but, and I don't ever really want to tear down because it's, it's really, really easy to tear something down versus build something up. We figured this out time and time again. However, I, I'm still not one of those people where it's like, you know, we should never tear down something ever. I'm like, no, I think it's like, if something deserves a little bit of like, you know, taking out behind the woodshed, I, this, this one does. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. I'm not going to, Oh, I, <laughs> Terry, I got, a, I got a brief story for you. Uh, you, you'll appreciate this. Uh, so it was a couple weeks ago. I ended up, um, talking to somebody that, um, I mentioned something about recording. Like you do a podcast. It's like, yeah, everybody does. Like, I wasn't trying to be like that guy and be like, do a podcast, whatever. And I mentioned the strange highways and the twilight zone. He's like, I love it. And I'm like, okay. He's like the twilight zone, not the show. And he's like, here, subscribe me, subscribe me. He hands me a phone and I click on it. And he was like, yeah. He's like, one of my favorite episodes is the one where the guy is like hunting with, with his dog and he ends up like walking uh, along and he, he's dead, but he might get to go to heaven, but he finds out that like dogs can go to heaven too. And I'm like, are you talking about the season three episode, the hunt of uh, the original series written by uh, Earl Hamner jr. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I'm just like, what? Like I was really <laughs> Cause I told him, I was just like, all right, man. I was like, you know, like if you really dig it, I was like, please check out the show. I was like, you're not going to like what I had to say about it. <laughs> you know, like I, I was very honest. I'm like, oh. but like credit to him that it's like, like I always think that when people talk about how much of the twilight zone, they name like five episodes. I had I know, a million years would have never been like, I like my favorites, the hunt. I'd be like, well, that means that like th- that every episode or segment might be somebody's favorite. Right. And, and who am I? Cause we all like, we all have our likes. We have our dislikes. Um, clearly, you know, uh, Brenner appreciated. He thought this was, he thought this was like one of his best things he ever wrote. Um, uh, Phil DeGuerre, I think was also the guy that was on the tr- commentary track. He's like, yeah, I think this is one of the best pieces of television we are put out. Wes Craven's like, I, like, I liked it a great deal too. And I'm like, um, well, the three of you guys are really accomplished uh, people in your field. And I, I, I disagree with all three of you completely. <laughs> you know, but who am yeah. I? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and yeah, that's the wonderful thing about discussion and uh, you know opinions of different things. And that we can all have them. Still, we can all still have our opinions and be okay with it. Like, people are allowed to love this. That's don't let our opinions try to topple whatever feelings you have for this. If you like it, I'd love to hear your opinions on yeah. it. If this, if you think this is the best ever. Um, let us know, give us some feedback. Uh, I would love to hear, you know, feedback on 
any one of these uh, these conversations that we've had because I mean this isn't just you and me hating or loving different things. It's we want to have a real conversation. It's not just like, well, hey, it sucked, so let's move on. Yeah, to the it's next it's thing. easy just to hate on things, and also I, I think you and I, I mean, a lot of times our opinions align. However. There's, there's um, a few things that they don't. So it isn't like we're going to be on lockstep with every single segment. Not that I was expecting you to come and be like, but Paul, I love this. Like a great deal. Like I think the one so far of the season um, that we've been the most divided on was wordplay. Another Wes Craven directed segment that I enjoyed a great deal, but you didn't. So we're, we're capable of like, you know, landing in different spots. It's just that like when we saw each other on Saturday, I was like, yeah, see you on Tuesday. And then we just kind of looked at each other like, huh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which to me is almost funnier. Um, it's like, cause we try not to you know, talk to each other about this until we get to here. Right. Like while we're recording, but it was just really funny to <laughs> be like, yeah, we're going to talk about that one. So, so yeah, I just, whatever it just swinging a miss for me. I could appreciate what was going on in here. I feel like if you're going to, this almost would have fit better as like a, a star Trek next generation episode. Cause they have the holodeck. It's like where you could recreate whatever and then suddenly be like, well, this is not part of this. Why is there a ghost in the machine? You know, that would have been a little bit better of approach to this versus what we got here. I just, I, I, I I think this story needs a complete overhaul, but you know, he published this, this was published. And then, uh, from the notes that I found, apparently this was kind of, uh, recreated into a uh like a musical too yeah there was there, yeah he talked about that he was approached um uh Bernard was approached to be like they're like we want to do uh um some kind of weird like sci-fi like um science fiction like weird romances and they approached him for this and he's like yeah and he's like but i like i'd like to be part of it so he actually helped write the adaptation for like this music like and maybe that played better you know like with that kind of like stage work uh, but yeah, it was that and one other story I forget, but yeah, that was turned into a stage play. Um, and the, the only other things I want to mention here is, uh, 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 he, uh, Christopher, uh, uh, Tabori is the son of Don Siegel who directed uncle Simon and the self-improvement of Salvador Ross from the original series. So I thought that was cool to bring that up. Yeah. That nice little connection there. Oh, and also when CBS first brought this, like they brought, they looked at the story. They're like, this is great. Can you make it? Cause Brenner originally wrote, this as more of like a sci-fi parable. And they're like, there's no emotion here. Can you make it more emotional? And he's like, boy, do I have something for you? You know, <laughs> careful what you wish for CBS. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> sometimes the execs just need to stay out of the, the writers. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't think they were wrong. Like sometimes people like you can provide notes, but like, this doesn't work for me. Can you approach it from a different angle? I think that's perfectly healthy and reasonable. Right. But what they got, and what they, but if this was the first story approved for this new series, then that makes me really question a lot of what happened here. However, I mean, I feel like Alan Brenner's pretty even headed from what I've listened to some of his commentaries and, and Craven seems at least like this was the most like effects, like using of like trying to get this effect right of this hologram thing, which if you watch now, it looks terrible, but again, TV budget for what it is, it's fine. You know, Oh, and I forgot to mention the whole bit at the end, whenever um, the wife comes in, and the projection's working right, and there's a ball bouncing around. And somehow it bounces out of the projector and becomes reality. Like that was my like that was the part where I'm like, like already f you for making me watch this for 40 minutes. F you for bringing in one more thing that makes no goddamn sense in this episode. Thank you, thank you for making a like a ball materialize this entire like out of that projector. That was stupid, really stupid. 
Yeah. Yeah, I could have done without it. I was waiting for you to be like, no, Paul, that was the part that made the most sense. So you understand that that ball was the reincarnation of a ball from 1916 or whatever. Anyway, it was, it was seeking, it was seeking a hoop to jump through. They've, they've been, been, been lost forever um, across the time. Anyway, I got nothing. Any other notes? I just, I'm, I'm done with this. I just, yeah. But, yeah. That's it, man. I got, yeah. I have nothing. I, there's nothing else I want to say about it. <laughs> Is there anything else I'm going to say? It's going to be, it's, it's, not yeah, going, to be nice. it's, going, to, it's going to keep happening. All right. So just as we do, we've just got to rate that twist. I, well, one meaning we saw from a mile away and five being mind blowing. I'm what, well, just because I clearly didn't understand what was going on until you explained <laughs> it to me. I have to give it like a five and I, that's, that is the smallest five that's ever existed in the life of the world. Like, like the, you, you can't see this five until you're under a microscope. That's how tiny this five is to me. This doesn't rate the quality episode, but the twist, because clearly I didn't understand it and you got, you understood it. And now that you explained it to me and like, Oh yeah, I didn't see that coming. Cause I literally didn't see it for three times through. Yep. Yep. They got, they got you, man. But, uh, <laughs> I think they got everybody. I think yeah. they got the actors too, yeah. but no, I'm going to give it a five as well. Cause I didn't understand what the <laughs> hell was going on. And so when we finally got to the final like outcome, I was like, okay, well that was weird and unexpected. So I guess you did your, did your job. <laughs> I I've had dreams that have made more sense than this segment, you know, like anyway. So, so yeah, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> just, I, I've had, you know, I've had bouts of nausea that have made more. I'm kidding. I, I'm not going to keep, I'm going to stop punching down. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that's going to do it for our discussion about her pilgrim soul. Uh, you guys may disagree. Please do. Like if you think this was like, you know what? You guys are a little too tough on this and it was fine. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you're also the same people like all those hard Hallmark movies. And you know, maybe, maybe this is not my lane. I can, I can respect that. Um, but yeah, you guys can find us on Facebook at uh, strange highways. You can email us directly at strange highways, gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast rate and review us. If you want to give us a no star review because we didn't, you didn't like the segment, you know, Free speech. I cannot say you're wrong for that. That that completely understandable. If you do enjoy the conversation, if you do enjoy the show, um, you know, let more people know. Like, you know, I think word of mouth is great. Uh, I think whenever, I think a lot of people are listening to podcasts now more so than ever before. And I know that uh, ear space is uh, limited during your week, right? But if you enjoy this conversation and be like, hey, everybody should check this out. Like, you want something that's not true crime? You know, I, I know I always like talk about true crime, but that seems like, it's like, did you want some of this true crime or not? Like, uh, um, other watch throughs of TV shows that are happening now, like that now exists in the last two years, but we've been doing this for like five and a half years, like recommend our show and Terry, where can people, uh, find us otherwise? Uh, we are on Instagram folks. Uh, come and check us out over there. Uh, we're posting some fun stuff. Uh, we want people to get in interactive with us over there. It's not often that we get anything, but we have got a little bit of feedback so that's wonderful and um you know as paul says you can go and rate review us on different places including spotify they have a five-star rating system on there um it, it's it works uh to to my knowledge so far but not too many people have used it uh so once we get some more uh ratings on there we will finally figure out what our star rating is i think i might have been the only person that rated our podcast because I love us and I think we do a great job. So Did, I gave us five stars. Oh, it's like if you didn't, I, well, I mean, I would understand that too. That's fine. I'm allowed to vote for myself. Damn it. You'd be <laughs> like, you're like, 
Um, four stars, four for Terry, zero for Paul. Like, I understand. And, That's completely fine. I get it. And, and pats on the back to myself. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, we do – we, we do have <laughs> we do have that over there so go ahead and check yeah. us out on, on that um and like i go over to like i mean i know that um apple podcast still has a place where you can yeah. actually leave a, re- a review and it's that. hard like, sometimes there. to go find the different like, however you get your podcast it might be easier to go via browser to to rate yeah. review it, and i always ask people to do it and then i go to try to do it for other shows and it's it's hard it's hard to do so. So I get it. Right. But that's what I'm just saying. Let, if you like it, let other people know and let them know how you found us and you know, they can, they can join us and the more the merrier. So, um, so yeah, uh, before we get out of here, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now Mr. Serling, uh, next episode, it is uh, season one, episode 12, segment B Eye of Newton. We're getting uh, um, Sherman Helmsley in there. It's going to be, you know, two people. Uh, so small cast, um, you know, Eye of Newton, uh, you know, it's exciting cause it's going to probably also be like 10 minutes because this one sucked all the air out of the, like of the runtime of this, of this episode. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it either way. It be fun. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to watch it three times, it'd still be less than watching this thing once. So, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week, this week, everybody have a good week, have a safe weekend. In the meantime, um, I don't know if you're like doing experiments, like and a baby shows up, like, I mean, if that's your point, credit to you, but if not, maybe, maybe really, really look at your science. Cause that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Don't be a douche to your wife either. Don't you get kind of bored?